Hello, this is Bill Lytell with some wisdom for your walk. I want to share something kind of personal with you today as from being a pastor all these years and and some of the things I've noticed. In the parable of the 10 pounds, most of you know this, and I'll quickly review it. Uh, the master of, of comes and he requires of his servants an accounting for the, what they've been given. Each were given a pound. And one that had one pound came and said, from one pound I've gotten 10. He said, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And one said, from we were one pound I've gained five. And he says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And then one he says, uh, I have had one pound and I've kept it and I give your pound back to you. And the Lord rebukes a man for not investing in it, that when he came, he would require of his own. And it's picking that up in Luke chapter 19, verse 24, 25, and 26, the one reading, he said unto them that stood by, take from him the pound, that is that one pound guy that made that didn't make anything, but gave what, it, what the Lord gave back to him, and give it to him that hath 10 pounds. And they said unto him, Lord, he hath 10 pounds. For I say unto you that every one which hath shall be given, and from him that hath not, even that he has should be taken away from him. I've noticed in the church that people who are busy working for God, they have a bus ministry, maybe they come door to door with us. Uh, they usually have two, three jobs for the Lord. They may have some other maintenance job around the church, or they may have help in the finances, or they may be a deacon, or maybe a trustee, or part of the women's ministry, nursing home ministry, jail ministry. You know, they're doing something for God. They're passing tracts out every week and memory memorizing some scripture uh, and quoting it at night or in evening church, and and they're they're just they're just reading their Bible through every year and. And and or at least trying to read it through every year, and they're, but they're, they're they're in they're in the game. That's what I'm trying to say. They're in the game that God's given us. This this thing called life. This test that we're in called life. And um, this this time on earth is a preparation for eternity. As a born again believer. And so. As a pastor of, of a group of people, whether it be you know 25 people or 2,500 people or 25,000 people, it be the same. Uh, I, I have noticed in my pastoring time that the people that are busy, are they're not complaining about anything. Uh, they're out working. They have shortfalls. They know that they're They know the the struggles of life, the resistance to trying to do something good. Uh, I installed floor covering for 17 years, and I'm going to tell you, it's it's quite a challenge to be able to take an imperfect material uh, with an imperfect person, myself, and try to install a perfect job. Because everybody wants their job to be perfect. I mean, that's that's what people want. They want it to be perfect. Yet you've got imperfect everything around you. You're working with Murphy, Murphy's Law, I meaning if, if something can go wrong, it will go wrong at the worst possible time. And so you're working with that environment. Working 17 years in floor covering has given me some compassion, some patience for imperfect things. If I see a guy out trying to do a bus ministry, and I see I, maybe I don't, I see that he's not doing this quite right, or he's not doing that, or he's not giving it his full. I, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to criticize the guy. 
Because, you know, I appreciate some effort over no effort. I appreciate the fact he's out there slugging it out, uh, even though he may not be doing it what it could be done. He's not working maybe to his full potential. Yet he's, he's slugging it out. I'm not going to complain about the guy. And I find members of, of a local church, especially independent, fundamental, Bible-believing, King James, uh, Hellfire, Damnation, conservative music, missionary-minded church that we are here at the Gospel Baptist. I find that people that are doing something for God or attempting something for God are not problem folks. They're not complainers. They don't complain about stuff. Once in a while, they'll come up with a constructive solution. See, and therein lies the, uh, lies the difference. Uh, the people that are out there trying to do something for God and trying to live for God know what it is to fail. They know what it is to fall short. And so they give you a little bit of room when you fall short, a little bit of, a little bit of ground to, to make up on when you fall short. So they're not, they're not real strong, harsh, judgmental people. When they do come up to the preacher, they'll say, Preacher, I have a possible solution for something that's been going on, and they'll, and they'll mention that to you. And they don't mention it to you like you have to follow it. But they'll suggest it like, Hey, you know, this is one possibility that you may want to consider graciously and then go on their way. And if you don't do what they say, they're good with it because they know that they don't have all knowledge and all perspective and aren't all wise. And maybe for some reason you know some things they don't know and they take that into consideration and, and let it go down the road. But then there's another other group of people, and I'm, I'm not going to say a large group. I'm going to say at Gospel Baptist, it's only been a 1%, 2% group of people. And by the way, it doesn't take a lot of, it doesn't take a lot to, a little leaven, well, Jesus said it this way, a little leaven, leaven of the whole lump. It doesn't take a lot of evil, a lot of complaining, a lot of griping to stir up the pot and get the whole thing messed up. It doesn't. You can have 99% pure water, put 1% dirt in it, most people don't want to drink it. And that's kind of the way it is in a local church. You know, if you, you don't have to have but 1%, 2%, but every local church has a group of people that are inactive, meaning they're not, they don't have their hand on the plow. They, they're, not, they're not participating in the programs to reach the world, to spread the gospel, to grow in grace. They show up on Sunday morning, many times just Sunday morning. Some of them, once in a while, show up Sunday morning, Sunday night. Uh, maybe once in a while on Wednesday night, but they're sporadic in attendance. They're hit and miss. We call hit and miss. You know, out of four Sundays, they come three Sundays, two Sundays. Uh, you know, they're just they're never they're never there on a regular basis. You notice I've not talked about money. I've not talked about tithing. I've not talked about giving. That's not the issue here. But they're just not in the game. They're they're out kind of on the fringes of the game. I call them spectators. They're the ones that go around complaining. You know, no one ever cleans up the bathrooms the way they ought to, or uh, such and such isn't painted, man. I can't believe we don't paint. I can't believe we don't get this thing painted the way it is. Or they'll complain about, uh, you know, so-and-so has been braggadocious because he won a couple people to Christ, and and uh, they, they will, they'll say the preacher's being bossy, or the deacons are trying to take over, or 
and they're, they're usually the ones complaining about something or another. They'll pick it out. The youth director, he's killing the youth group. One guy came to me not long ago. Oh, I guess it was a while ago, actually. And he said our youth director was killing the youth group. Oh, that boy's killing the youth group. He's ruining. All he does ever is yell at people. He all yells. I hear, I hear him preaching. All he does is yell at the kids. Now, this youth director at that time had a large youth group. Uh, out of his youth group, 22 young people went to Christian colleges of their own choice and of their own volition. And I was ecstatic, excited about the work that God was doing through this youth director. And I couldn't believe this guy. He'd taken me to the side and criticized our youth director. Harshly, by the way, harshly. It's just He's destroying the youth program. And I said to the man, how many youth, uh, you know, the youth meet on Sunday morning, Sunday night, uh, and Wednesday night, and how many meetings, how youth meetings have you been to and heard Pastor so-and-so preach? Oh, I said, I've never been to a youth meeting. I said, you've never been to a youth meeting? Heard, no, but I hear I got good sources. And this is usually also a raise your eyebrow. They'll have sources. And of course, I'll never name the sources to you, never. But I got these mysterious sources, and these sources tell me, blah, 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 blah. And I said, you've never been to a youth group, and you're judging this youth pastor on hearsay information, which wouldn't be acceptable in any court case at all. You're not an eyewitness. You're, you're, you're understanding hearsay information. You're judging this guy, but you're not just judging this guy like maybe he might, do, might, might be doing a job but could do it better. You're like cutting his head off. You're like saying, let's get rid of this guy because he's destroying the youth. When I happen to know as a pastor that the youth is doing really well, and we got 22 young people going to Christian college of their own volition, paying when they could have a free ride with a state school and willing to do the will of God. And I happen to know the, I knew the youth director was reading his Bible, passing out tracts, going soul winning programs, love God, love his family. And this guy is putting a, a harsh, harsh criticism. Now, right away, where does it come from? What comes from a guy, this particular guy, wasn't doing anything. He was attending. That's it. He was attending. I don't know whether it was given or not because I don't know who gives what. He was just attending. And he was going to just destroy this guy. Now, let me tell you this, and you learn this well. The people that complain to you most of the time are the people who are inactive or look what we call, we call them looky-loos. They're the ones on the grandstands up in the grandstands while your, while your players are on the field getting bruised up and sweaty and trying to work plays out, they're on the grandstands coaching the whole thing, criticizing the, the plays, criticizing the quarterback, criticizing the coach, and they couldn't run a play if they wanted to. They couldn't throw a football. They couldn't, do, they couldn't run down the field one time without being out of breath. And here they are, big, big, big uh, if I may say, out-of-shape people, trying to tell the people that are in the shape why they aren't doing what they ought to be doing. That's crazy, but that's the way it is. And I hope you can recognize that. When somebody comes to me with a criticism, I look at them and say, well, what are you doing? What are you doing? And sometimes when they come to the criticism, I'll say, well, rather than criticize this person, what's the solution? What would be your solution to this? And almost nine, nine out of ten times, they have no solution. They're not even thinking along the line of solution. All they are is criticizing. Oh, dear one, be slow to criticize people that are out there trying, people that are out there slugging it out with the devil, 
people that are out there trying to do the right thing with God. And I'm not, they're not perfect people, and they could be improved. And, and constructive criticism is fabulous. What is constructive criticism? It is when you offer a solution potential. You don't force it on somebody. You don't say they have to follow it. But you say, hey, possibly this could be some help to you. May this help you with a little bit of wisdom for your walk as we go down the road together.